Well, greetings and welcome to the Wednesday edition of the podcast that we call Time in God's Word. Here we are in the middle of the week. Hope that your week is a blessed one. And this is David Carnes, and as always, just awesome to be with you again today. But now, as we come back together, we are at the front end of a series that we started this past Monday, a series that comes from the letter of 1 John in chapter 5 and verses 13 through 21. Actually, it's the final section of this letter. And this is a series that speaks of items that the Christian can always be assured of, what the Christian can always be guaranteed of. And specifically, what John the Apostle brings out at the end of this letter is he brings out five items that the true believer in Jesus can always be assured of. And let me say that we're just going to walk through all of this over the next few weeks. But as we have opened this series up, we're looking at one item in all of this, and that is the true believer in Jesus has the assurance of eternal life. Now, let me say that this really is the theme of the entire letter. As a matter of fact, verse 13, the verse that we are going to find ourselves in today. This is the central verse for the entire letter. Again, the verse in which John writes, and let me read it to you, but he writes, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And again, that's the central verse in this letter. And as we open this series on the items that the believer in Jesus can be assured of, this is how we begin the series. And again, that is the true believer can be assured of eternal life. Now, with all that said, we're breaking verse 13 down into three parts, into three sections. And so we're taking the first three podcasts in this series to look just at verse 13. And so today we continue to look at the wonderful truths that God gives us in this wonderful verse, this powerful verse, this most encouraging verse. Again, a verse that tells us that the true believer in Jesus is assured of eternal life. And so if you have your Bible with you, now would be a good time to open it up. Turn to 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13 as we spend time in God's Word. Number two, if you're a note taker, this is a sub point. But number two, you can know that you are saved. You can know. You can know that you have eternal life. You don't have to doubt this. And this is what this letter is all about again. Remember, this is the theme. There is the assurance of salvation. Now, again, you look at verse number 13. And again, this is what John writes. Again, looking at it. John writes, he says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may, what's that word? Know. You see it there. That you may know. Know what, John? That you have eternal life. That's what he says. Now, let me bring out a couple of things here at this point. But you might be sitting there wanting to ask, I have a question. And the question is, why do you think John had to write this letter in the first place? As we've been going through this letter all through these months, have you been sitting there asking the question, why is it that John had to write this in the first place? 
Why did he think that he had to address assurance of salvation when he's talking to a group of believers? And that if you're a true believer in Jesus, that you don't ever have to doubt your salvation. What was the point of all this? Why did he do this? The answer to that question is, these Christians that he was writing to, they had an issue. And the issue was, there were false teachers in their midst. Remember, there were antichrist in their midst. And these false teachers, what were they doing? Well, they were doing what false teachers do. They were teaching false doctrine. As a matter of fact, John writes in chapter 2, verse 26, listen to this. He writes, I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. You see, false teachers were there. And understand that whenever false teachers are allowed to creep into the church, and let me tell you this, they do. When they're allowed to come into the church, then one result can be doubt begins to creep in among the believers. And all that you thought you believed as truth now begins to settle in as doubt. By the way, let me just bring up this example. You remember the heresy that I brought up that as we were looking back in verse number 6 of this chapter, remember John writes this letter at the end of the first century, somewhere around 90, 95, maybe 96 A.D. And during that time there was a heresy, and part of that heresy that was being taught was the Jesus that hung on the cross was not God. He was simply man. Now, if Jesus was simply man on the cross, guess what he can't do for you? He can't die for your sins because he has his own sins to die for. And that was one of the heresies. But understand this, because of the heresy that was going around, there were those in the church that began to doubt. Have I placed my faith in the right Jesus? Am I truly going to be saved? Can he truly save me? Was he truly just a man on the cross? You see where we're going with this. And so he writes this letter. And he says, you don't have to doubt what you have believed. You don't have to doubt that you are saved. You have believed in the, in the true Savior. You have believed in the true Jesus. You have believed in the Son of God, the one that came and died for your sins, rose from a grave. God in the flesh. But now with that said, let me address this, and that is, so how can you then know that you are saved? How can you know? We've got to answer this question. How can you know that eternal life is really yours? Well, to answer that question, all we have to do is some review. And I'm going to do this quickly because we've been looking at this for months. And the things that I'm going to bring out now, you're going to be, if you've been with us all this time as we've gone through 1 John, you're going to go, oh yeah, I remember that, and I remember that, and I remember that. But all we have to do is go back quickly and look at some of what John has already spent some time writing about. But let me bring out some things here. But first of all, let me just begin with the gospel. Again, the gospel. And I would ask you this, and that is, have you believed in Jesus Christ? Have you? Again, we bring up faith in Jesus. Remember again what John says in uh, verse number one of this chapter again, and I reference it again. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. So we can start there. Have you believed in him, Jesus? That's where you got to start. But then we can go deeper. And what I mean by that is, you remember that all through this letter, John has given us what? Test, remember? He's given us one test after another. And each test is given so that you can match yourself up to the test. And if you pass the test, then you know 
that you're true in Christ, a true believer that you're saved if you pass the test. But remember the test. What are they? Let's review them quickly. We broke them down into two categories. Two categories of tests that John gives throughout this letter. First category we could call a doctrinal test. The doctrinal test. Two subtests to the doctrinal test. The doctrinal test, they forced us, for example, to see that sin is real. Sin is an issue. That we are sinners, that we are depraved, and that we need a Savior from our sin. Do you believe that? you got to believe that. you got to believe you're a sinner in need of a Savior. Sin separating you from God. Remember that John in chapter 1 of verse 8 wrote this. He wrote, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Do you remember that? And so do you believe that sin is real? Do you believe that you are a sinner and that you, and you need Jesus to save you from your sin? That's a doctrinal test. But then there's a second doctrinal test that we see in this letter, and that is we can call it the true view of Jesus. There's a true view of Jesus. Again, I go back to verse 1, chapter 5. We'll reference it again. And again, John writes, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And again, we remember that the word Christ is a word that speaks of Jesus, all he is and all that he's done. And so the test then is, do you believe that Jesus is God in the flesh? That Jesus is the only Savior? That Jesus has died for your sins? That He has risen from a grave? That He is judge? That He is advocate? Making intercession for God's children as the devil tries constantly, time and time again, to condemn the true believers in Jesus before the throne of God. That Jesus is King of kings and that He is Lord of lords. Do you believe that about Jesus? That's the true Jesus. The true believer believes that. And yet, it's another doctrinal statement. Another doctrinal test that John gives. So two doctrinal tests that he focuses in on in this letter. But then remember this, there's one more category of test. Let me go through this very quickly that we see John bring out in this letter and we have called this the moral test. There's the doctrinal test. There's the moral test. You remember, for example, that John has written that the true believer in Jesus will obey God's commands. Now, this is the moral test. But then not only obey them, but adore them. Find joy in them. You remember this? For example, John writes in chapter 3, verse 24, whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. In verse 3 of chapter 5, John writes, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. You remember that. And so I ask you, do you find yourself, your life, is it characterized by habitually living the ways of God, His precepts, His commands. Now, let me say this, but we don't live all of His ways out perfectly. We don't do that. We don't do that until we're in heaven. It's not happening this side of heaven. But for the true believer, your life will consistently be lived out, living by God's ways. That's how you're known. That's how you're marked out. Following His ways, His commands, they're a habitual part of a believer's life. 
But then let me bring this out. And there's one other moral test that John gives in this letter. Listen to this. Another test that when you see this lived out in your life consistently, now again, not perfectly, but habitually, then you can have an assurance of eternal life. And the next moral test we call the test of love. There's the test of love. You remember this. Now there's living out the commandments of God, and then there's also living out love. You're going to live out love toward God. You're going to live out love toward others. And you're going to live and love God's ways and really disdain the world's ways. And what I just said, again, it's a consistent part of a believer's life. This is how you're known. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 says, By the way, beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. 1 John chapter 3, verse 14, John writes, We know that we have, uh, we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 says, Do not love the world or the things in this world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. In other words, John, they're saying... You don't love the ideologies of the world, the philosophies of the world, the ways of the world. You love the ways of God. By the way, you remember that word love? We looked at it in depth. It is agapeo in the Greek. It is that love that speaks of a selfless love. You're putting others before yourself. It is sacrificial. It is active. And so this is you then on a consistent basis if you are true. And John gives these tests and he says, if you pass the test, then you know you're saved. Aren't you glad God has given us this? No need to worry. No need to doubt about your salvation. But now with that said, let me say, so many people in this world are led to believe that you can't be assured of your salvation. You just can't be assured. You can't be. So many are are led to believe that you will only know that you're saved after you die. And depending on where you wake up, then you know. You wake up in heaven, I'm saved. You wake up in hell, I'm lost. So many people, by the way, take salvation, take eternal life so haphazardly, don't they? And what I mean is, you ask someone if they are sure that they will go to heaven. Are you sure you'll go to heaven? So many times they will answer by saying, well, I hope so. So many times they'll say, well, I think so. So many times they'll say, well, I guess we'll see. We'll find out. I want you to understand something. But with so much on the line here, and what's on the line? Heaven and hell is on the line. That's what's in the balance. You would hope that everyone would want to be assured, right? Wouldn't you want to be assured? Absolutely. But understand this, you can be assured. You can be. And that is you come to faith in Jesus. You understand your sinful condition, your need for Jesus to save you. You know who Jesus truly is. And then as you have come to Him by faith, you will live out a life that consistently exhibits obedience toward God. Also, you'll live out a life that is constantly living out this love. Now again... Not a perfect living out of the love. Not a perfect living out the commands. But a consistent life. There's the assurance of eternal life. That's the second part in this. 
Now, what a promise we have here. And that is when someone comes to true faith in Jesus, then eternal life is promised. It is guaranteed. It is assured. There is no need to doubt. There's no need to fear. As a matter of fact, let me bring this out. But because of this assurance that the believer has, then something else you are guaranteed is a life of joy. I mean, when you know that heaven is yours, that a constant love relationship with God is yours, then that can only mean that joy is also yours. I want you to listen to this, but listen to what John writes in this same letter in chapter one in verse four. But John writes there, he writes, and we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Now, again, remember that the theme of this letter is assurance and specifically the assurance of salvation for the believer. And right at the front end of this letter, John says, oh, and by the way, when you know that you are saved and you know that nothing can change that, when you come to faith in Jesus, then one of the great results of this assurance is joy. That's what John writes. There's a wonderful joy, a joy that is deep in you, embedded in you, can't be taken from you. That's awesome, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. It is awesome. Well, praise God for that. But let me say this, been great being with you again today, as it always is. And we have one more insight into this first item of assurance that the believer has that John brings out in verse 13. And so when we get together on Friday, we'll look into what John writes and what the Holy Spirit of God has to say to us. But again, it's been great being with you today. You have a great day, a great week, and we will see you again as we spend time in God's Word.